You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This show is brought to you by The Makery, the podcast network for makers. Welcome one and all to Knife Talk, the the premier podcast for knife makers, knife enthusiasts, anybody with any sort of interest in knives. I'm here this week, Craig Lockwood from Chop Knives. I'm joined as usual by Jeff Fader, Fader Knives. Now, normally we've got Moreco of Momasi Fire Arts here with us, um, but he's off travelling again. It's summer season, so we're all sort of trying to juggle things with holidays, so hence this being a day late. Uh, but forgive us, I'm sure we can have some fun. How are you, Jeff? I'm the only one usual around here, P.S. <laughs> yes, <Yeah, laughs> You waited online last night for an hour for me to dial in. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, man, listen... It's the summer is rough, but we're still making it happen. I had a real good time with Mareko last week. Mm. I had a good time with you the week before, and you seem to have had quite the experience. <laughs> and I, there's no even point in saying anything else other than, well, I you know what happened to why we're not out on Monday, but what happened on your trip? Let's get straight on it then. Okay, Let's do so. It. We were booked to take the kids to Disneyland. Um, they didn't know about it, so they were finishing school on Wednesday. European we Disneyland. In Paris, yes, right. yes. So we were picking them up on Wednesday at half day, and we were going to drive straight to Paris, tell them on the way. They'd be excited. Great stuff. Okay, great. We are. We were, we were meeting um, friends of Amy's from back in the UK. They were coming as well. Now, we had a bit of an issue with the hotel to begin with. We couldn't book into the actual resort because they're doing work on the hotels. So we had to find somewhere, you know, locally. So we did. Anyway, all booked. We're all, we're all excited, all happy. Two days before, my wife starts getting ill. I mean, I, I just recovered from COVID myself. I, I didn't get that bad. It wasn't too bad. But my wife started getting really ill. I mean, couldn't get out of bed ill, you know. And I was like, oh. Right, okay. She's like, we'll be fine. We've got two days for me to recover. So she was in bed for two days. Um, but that's also the reason why you didn't record with us last week. Exactly. Because you were well, sick as a dog. Exactly, yes, yeah. And then it came to, we should have been leaving on Wednesday, and she was just too ill. We were just like, we can't. So we said to Amy's friends, you, you go ahead, you book into the hotel and stuff, and we'll see you hopefully the next day. So anyway, Wednesday comes, we, we get a call, a stressed call from them 
saying, we've just landed, we've just called the the hotel, they use booking.com to book this, almost like an Airbnb. Right. And um, because their hotel, sorry, their flight was delayed by an hour, they'd missed the check-in time. And this this bitch of a lady, who's the sort of host, said, well, tough, tough, I've cancelled your booking. Um, so, so basically, how, we lost all the money for the booking. Um, how is they, that possible? Isn't it just, I you're know. just late? You're just paying for the day. You booked the days. What she was saying is, I've I've got kids of my own. I need to be, I need to be away. Um, I can't come back and let you in now. You you missed your check in time. It's too late. And we're like, Jesus Christ, what's going on? Um, so they're frantically in the middle of Paris looking for a hotel on oh. the same day that all of France goes into you know into basically a mass holiday. So we're like, oh, geez. So so we're quite thankful that we didn't get to Paris that day anyway. Anyway, they find somewhere. A so real if you'd shitty... been there on time, if you'd been there on time and checked in for them, it would have been fine. Yeah, if we'd gone before them and checked in, right. we'd have been fine, actually, yeah. But we, we never planning to go before them anyway. They were just going to get there before us um, because we were picking the kids up from school. Anyway, anyway. So they managed to find it like the shittiest hotel ever. So oh. like, they called us to say, okay, we've got a hotel. Don't worry too much. So the next morning comes, my wife is still ill. And we're like, oh, geez. Um, you know, we're a, we're a couple of grand in the hole here because, you know, everything's prepaid or for Disney and all the rest of it. And we're like, oh, fuck. So she's feeling the guilt. So she's feeling slightly better. She's like, we just need to go for it. Let's just get in the car oh. and go for it. So we're like, okay, okay. So <laughs> we get in the car, we drive, we drive to Paris straight to Disney. So this is before going to the hotel because, you know, by the right. time we get there, it's sort of lunchtime. And this is, you know, we're time is money you know yeah, of course <laughs> and i'm thinking oh geez let's just get it and enjoy it anyway we get there and my wife starts to take a bit of a turn again she's like oh, oh no. geez she's like i'm gonna sit here on this bench you take the kids on one of the rides just so they we can get the bearings a bit because right. I, I don't know if you've been to disney you, you probably haven't Europe. been to the european world but it's, it's a city it's huge you know right. so i'm like okay so I'll, I'll take the kids on a ride and you know this little ride come off phone my wife and there's no answer on the phone i'm like oh right okay so we do the whole you know find my friends thing to see where she is and it shows that she's in the hospital in Disney. I'm like, what? oh, fuck. What? Yeah, so I'm there with three kids. <laughs> get, get to the hospital, get to the reception in the hospital. And I'm like, I, I think my wife is here. The maps is telling me my wife is here. She's not picking up. And you're like, oh, Lockwood? I'm like, yeah, so take her through. She's on a drip. And I'm like, oh, Jesus. So we've been in Disney for, what, an hour at this point. My wife's in the hospital. I'm left with the three kids. And it's just like, it's boiling hot. We can't find any shade. And it's just, oh, fuck. Uh, anyway. So, did, so say, back it up a hair. When did you tell your kids that you're going to Disney? The, the Thursday. So we didn't tell them when we picked them up from school. Right. We told it's them just... the Thursday when we woke them up. We said, right, we're going on holiday. We're going to Disney. They're all excited. They're like, woo, yeah, they're loving it, you know. Um, What's wrong so anyway. with mom? <laughs> mom, guess what? We're going to Disneyland. Did you hear? Uh, but I was I was talking uh, to one of the guys in the hospital, one of the, the the doctors there, and he was saying the amount of people we get, they're they're feeling a bit ill, and they're like, we've booked and we can't let the kids down, and right. you know, as you say, all this money's in the hole. We need to go, you know. And then they come and they you know they take a bad exactly like my wife happened to my wife took a bad turn and end up in the hospital there. Um, but thankfully, they, you know, they gave us stuff. Uh, she was on a trip for a bit. After about about two hours, they were like, well, you go out, but just take it really easy. Go straight back to your hotel. And we're like, yeah, whatever. Anyway, we go off. We, we have a couple of hours in Disney then. Go back to this this hotel, which was the shittiest hotel you've ever seen. Worse than the one that you went to when your baby was born? Yeah. Worse we, than the brothel? <laughs> There's no prostitutes there, at oh, least. At no. least. Um, but yeah, but, but basically we're in one room. 
um, oh. with two kids, a baby who's not sleeping, and a wife who's just basically been sick all night. Hell on earth, yeah. as you'd imagine. Hell on yeah. earth. And, and it's wake hot up the next morning. Disneyland and yeah. all the colors and all the heat and the food and everything. Yeah. It's just like, oh, God. And even the excitement to the kids. It was crazy. Even but, if you weren't sick, you'd probably feel sick. Yeah. Yeah, right. exactly. Yeah. Right. Anyway, the next day we, we head back into Disney the next day because we're, we're literally five minutes away, you know, from the actual park. Head back in the next day. And thankfully, things got slightly better. My wife got better and, you know, the kids were happier. And we, we, we ended up having two days, which were which were lovely and um, just exhausting. It's properly exhausting because we weren't on site. You know, the kids normally still have a nap in the afternoon, right. um, but they oh. couldn't because that would mean we'd have to leave site and come back in and do all the queues again. Um, the big sort of parade that they do is like 11 p.m. with all the fireworks. So we're there at, you know, 10 a.m. We're there till 11 p.m. And as you can imagine, the kids are just destroyed by this. Yeah. So, yeah, it it wasn't a break. It was difficult. But but Disney's a crazy place, man. It's, yeah, there's – I was amazed by the amount of people who didn't have kids at Disney. You see them all walking around and you're just like, well, and some people are into it and some people are really into it, you know. There they know all the dance people. moves when the parade goes past and they're, they're yeah. <laughs> I, know, I know older people who go every single year wow. without any kids. Like, wow. that's it's the, crazy. they do. They are Disney people. It's crazy. Yeah. Madness. And I mean, we didn't scratch the surface. You know, this, this is, like I said, it's a city. It's huge. And I believe the one in the US is bigger again, you know, but it's, it was the 30 year anniversary of the, of the European Disney. So they had all this special stuff laid on and all this crazy stuff. But um, well, yeah, thoroughly enjoyed here. it. Thoroughly enjoyed it. But I think next time we need to be on site. I think the kids are too young. They need to right. be sort of five or six to really yeah. appreciate it. And but um, they got it. Yeah, they got it. They loved it. You know, they had, you know, the whole, you know, dinner with the princesses and they put their, their princess dresses on and all the rest of it bloody yeah one of the, ex- one of the most expensive meals I've had. and i didn't oh, actually go to it so amy's friend went with her instead the kids sitting down having these bloody five courses with oysters and so on ridiculous get the fuck out of here the kids I'm, have I'm five you. courses yeah i'm telling you yeah sitting down when the princesses come and, and sit with them and it was it was a crazy eye-opener there. I, I, what I imagined was the Disney characters would just be walking around. You know, they've they, they got this thing called Main Street where all the shops are and stuff. Right. I'd imagined that, you know, the Disney characters would be walking around. Um, but they're not, but they will pop up occasionally and, like, really strategically on a balcony somewhere because they'd be fucking mobbed. It right. was unbelievable. Like, Mickey would be on a balcony and they'd be hundreds of people mickey 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 and you know he'll like put a thumbs up and everybody's screaming as if he it was just and these are adults you know it wasn't mental it's mental there but um yeah we got back about well hour and a half two hours ago um kids have just gone to bed and this is the first bit of peace i've had in a week so i'm imagining when you're saying that mickey comes to the balcony it's like it's almost like mussolini coming to the balcony. honestly it was crazy it was like the royals stepping out on the balcony and i said that there's adults and they're pushing kids out the way and they're running to the front and it well, was just oh jesus christ crazy. it is incredible i mean in the united states there's two of them there's one the first one was in california and then the second one is in orlando florida yes yeah that's and the I big talk, one, isn't it? The, the yeah, main one. That's yeah. big. And I talked to Port Jonathan Porter lives right there. And you mm. know, when you get close by, you can get like I have friends who are other at parks and they get a season ticket. It's like it's more inexpensive. Yeah. He says it's such a it's such a big Disneyland in Florida. Here's how big Disneyland in Florida is. 
they are such a huge part of the Florida uh, community and the Florida like financial value mm, yeah. that it offsets one of the reasons why there's no income tax in Florida because wow. fucking Disneyland <laughs> compensates for people's uh, income tax. Hmm. They make wow. so much goddamn money that you don't have to pay income tax in Florida. That's the wow. reason why there's so many people down there. Yeah. Well, I was doing some figures on the, on the way in because we had to park each day in Disney because we weren't staying on site. And um, I think it was like 35 euros a day to park. You think, oh, it's not too bad. Okay. Maybe. It's not crazy. But then you see how big the car park is. And I was speaking to one of the guys there, one of the, the, the cast members, they call him. Basically, he's right. like in... <laughs> even the car park crew you know um and he's like yeah we make a make a make a close to a million a day in parking it's like, Fuck I believe that. Me. it doesn't surprise me yeah it's it's just a, in it's parking a, that's before amazing. you have the 20 dollar hot dog you know it's, it's just mental they gotta get you for like 500 bucks a day easy yeah in, and everything for the kids is just like 30 times what it would be just right. outside the gate what? you know once you're in you're in you're not going back out God. the the one day we one day we forgot to take um like jumpers hoodies for the for the girls because you know we're staying late for the right. fireworks i'm like oh shit you know that's a costly mistake so you've got to go to the disney store and you you spend like 60 70 dollars each we got we got two and you know and it's just like just for that one silly mistake you know it's just grow up out of them just rinses you yeah yeah <laughs> You're a good dad, though. Oh. We wouldn't do it. We're not taking our kid. To, we, we, we we got all the videos <laughs> and we got all the stuff, and we just we just were like, yeah. We're just like, let's see if we can let's see if we can make it through without having to do without it. Having and to. I have friends who do like they have like their hacks and stuff on how to get through it and Ugh. buying the easy pass for the rides and mm. the, the there are all these like hacks on how to like kind of game the system of going to disneyland i'm just like yo i don't i don't want any of it yeah 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 my, my wife was on the, all these forums and stuff and they're like you know if she pretends she's pregnant we don't have to queue for things but she can only go on certain things if she's pregnant she's just like, oh jesus oh, just God. let's just let's just play it straight and see how we end up well you did a good dad thing though yes yes uh, we won't be doing it again for a number no, of years no <laughs> number you? of years <laughs> why should you they're gonna have memories of their mother like in the hospital yeah you know? so exactly like, yeah disney yeah. now maybe this will stop the whole disney thing it's like the, no no please it's me, like it the hasn't. sucking the thumb you figure out ways to stop the sucking the thumb they stop we've just disney. had the six hour ride back in the car with disney songs the whole way back so now it, it's just fueled the flames that's all holy shit well, there you go welcome <laughs> back welcome yes, back thank and you. congratulations on <laughs> surviving beating coronavirus and then beating Disneyland, and I don't know which one was worse for you. No, you. yeah, I, Disney. Was which far would you worse. prefer to have again, coronavirus prefer... or Disneyland vacation? Okay, then. Okay, let, let's. So I've had I've had COVID twice. Right. I think COVID one uh, was the best. Like most like most films, like most franchises, okay. COVID okay. one was the best because that allowed me to be in bed for a few days. Right. By COVID two, my wife was like, "We're having none of that. <laughs> you know, there's no <laughs> way you're in bed." <laughs> And Disney, you're just on your feet all day. So yeah, COVID one was was the best. Okay, so co- the first time getting COVID was number. Okay, right, right. Well, that, that, yeah, I appreciate your honesty. You know, <laughs> honestly, no trauma. COVID one beat Disneyland. So, exactly. There you go. Yeah. It's honest. <laughs> so how was your week been? It's been it's been busy actually. When I recorded with you, when I recorded with Mareko, my my wife and daughter were away. Yes. Um, yeah. and I was like dealing with some things around here that were not pleasant, and I actually. <laughs> had made some decisions in regards to how I'm going to deal with stress and how I'm going to deal with um, 
time not spent with my family and it was forging blacksmithing mm. and i had i had made a plan to make some hammers and it became something like just making hammers for myself became something that was enjoyable thought making thought provoking and stressful but at the same time my 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 problems were like not where they were supposed to be so right. it's yeah, good stress that takes your mind off other stuff yeah it just like and like right now actually i just took the last i made a sledgehammer and i just finished the temp right before we started podcasting as soon as we finish this i'm gonna put the i'm gonna i'm gonna, I'm gonna hang at i'm gonna hang a hammer on the on the thing so i'm trying to figure out you know much more positive ways to deal with stress and it's been mm. very very good um that's been good and business has been good. We're, we're, we're getting ahead now. I have things in the hopper, in the drawers. So we're starting to have things on hand, which has nice. been like a game changer, a real game yeah. changer. And we're trying to work on two different things at the same time, which is great. And, um, Tony was on holiday, just got back and I just talked to him for a little bit. And, you know, it, you know, I'll tell you the funny thing is, is like the knife making is enjoyable because, I do like where Fader Knives is going. Like I, mm. I see these real sincere evolutions in the business without, you know, you hear people talking and they're using this, these buzzwords and they're using this, we're going to, you know, we're going to green blue sky and all these, these things that they hear fucking Gary V say, you know, and it's not like that here, which is like great. So it's like, we're really kind of getting comfortable with the production part of the project. And that's been really kind of, um, enjoyable. And then, um, I'm getting ready to go to, uh, see Tomer. Tomer, I'm going to go Tomer in a week and a half. So we can cover for me in two weeks. That's flown by. Pardon me? That's flown by. It's just a week and a half now. Yeah. It's a, a week from, I'm going to be leaving a week from this Thursday. So um, it's going to be short. I, you know, the funny, the crazy thing is, is like, it would have been real nice to have a family holiday, but my kid started a new job, two new jobs. Mm. And my wife's totally busy with the newest pandemic <laughs> around here. And um, we're like, there's just no way that we all could have gotten away. So yeah, yeah. because also, you know, we're, we have, you know, I have a very, it's a very, how should I say, a fragile ecosystem here at Fader Dives. Like I can't just go away for yeah. three weeks oh, yeah. or two weeks. So I'm only going to go for four days and I'm looking forward to it. A lot of the listeners of the podcast are going to be there. And if you're listening to the podcast, you're going to see us at, Florentine kitchen knives. Let me know what kind of shirts you want, hats and shit. And if you need me to bring something, because that's the only way you're going to get it. I ain't going to put it in the mail. That's merch the, delivery. Well, there we go. We're going to figure it out. So that's that. And then uh, what else is new? Uh, actually, and this is something something that I'd love to talk to you about. Yeah. In terms of, I know that social media is your highest level on your game these days. <laughs> but just talking to, I talked to uh, the guys from Work For It podcast, came on the podcast. And we were talking about Instagram. And I was talking to, actually, I had a conversation with Chris Zepp. called Chris mm. Zepp a couple days ago. And it was because I've noticed, and we've all talked about it, the... You know, Instagram is what's made Fader Knives where it's at. It's, you know, I started on Instagram in the beginning with Jeff Fader and the sculpture. And now Fader Knives has allowed me to make it my catalog. Yeah. And now we've been talking about the algorithm is really pushing to. So Instagram wants to compete with TikTok. So they're really pushing people to do reels. Reels. And which stories, I'm not. Yeah. Which I'm very loath to do. I did one that was great, except for the fact that now it's like that sets a, such a high bar that I just don't want to fucking 
fool around too much with you know anything mm-hmm. substandard. Yeah. And when I was talking to Chris Zepp, I noticed I was talking to Chris, and Chris says, "You know, I went up ten thousand Instagram followers in a week." I said, "How'd you do that?" And he says, "Well, th- th- I'm starting to uh, embrace the haters." <laughs> Basically, like what what Honor Kagler dies in her films doing, and he'll and then Woby Design Ben Paik is doing. They're doing these things that people are saying you're doing it wrong, or that's not what you're supposed to be doing, and that's what you're supposed to be doing. Chris did a video with this a beam saw. It's called a beam saw, and it's like a it's like a handheld circular saw, but it's giant. It's like you don't you've never seen anything like it. It's huge. Hmm. The, the 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 blade on it's like <laughs> probably like like fifteen and sixteen inches diameter. Yeah, I, think, I think I saw it. Yeah, it, it, yes, yeah, it's huge. Thing. He said people got so mad at him using it. He just started doing videos of him looking into the camera in slow motion, cutting these beams, knowing <laughs> that people were going bad. He got a he got one point two million views on that Fuck. video. Wow. And then I was talking to him, I'm like, what what's going on? He's just like, I I'm embracing the fucking problems. Hmm. Basically what what honor does. I, I I'm 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 like trying to get people to get mad at me. And it was interesting because I just turned to him and I was just like, you know, he's like, maybe you should do that. And I'm like, you know what though? Those are my people. Like those hmm. are those people that, that- are my people. The and- thing is, I mean that may be engagement, but is it valued engagement? I mean I mean, these these people ain't going to be buying your product. Probably not. I, I mean, Chris Chris's thing is slightly different. His content isn't there to sell your product, is it? His product is his content, I suppose. Well, that's what we um, talked about. We talked about the difference between... That's what we talked about. I said to him, like, look, I'm not interested in problems. I'm interested in selling knives. Hmm. So when I do a picture of a knife, people can see it. They can envision it. Maybe they can see it in their kitchen or hand. If I'm doing these, you know, fly-by weird you know, uh, Instagram things. I don't think people can really picture it, especially if they're like, mm. you know, sending a message to the website and they're saying, I want this kind of knife and let me screen cap what you made. And that's kind of, that's, I've been doing business like that for a while. I can yeah. kind of tell them what they want. And yeah. it's interesting because it's, it's become this way of which to think about how, how to sell your knives. Mm. But I'm not interested. I'm like, I said to Chris, like, dude, I, it's, I'm not, my, the people who buy my knives, most of them aren't even on Instagram. Yeah. You know? That's the thing. That, I mean, there's one way of looking at it as in you, you're getting more followers and eventually these may then convert to a sale. But I mean, personally, I think probably not, you know, I think, but, but if you, if you, I mean, what you're doing, your, your stuff is relevant. What you've been up doing up until now is relevant for whether it's, whether it's a maker, and I suppose we're both in the same situation where we have our customers are either makers or chefs or restaurants, you know, and that's what your your content is catered to. If you start doing stuff just for the, you know, just for the, you know, whether it's angering people or you know, you know, bait to get them commenting or whatever it is, you know, it's going to get you views, but I don't think it's going to put money in your pocket, you know. But it's also these the people who are going to write you these things are not the ones who have the time. They they have too much time on their hands doing hmm. work or making business to be hmm. there. So they're you know they're not they're not your customers. Which yeah. brings me to a podcast I wanted to talk to you about, um, if you don't mind. Uh, Hold that thought mine. just a sec. Just a second. Let's tell everybody about these ovens that we use. Uh, yeah. Knife Talk is sponsored by Even Heat, the manufacturers of the finest heat treat ovens available. To find your next oven, go to knifetalk.net forward slash heat 
because that will take you to Soul Ceramics. And they are a distributor of Even Heats. They've got some in stock, so they're ready to ship. And you'll get $75 off and free shipping in the US. So that link is in the description. It's knifetalk.net forward slash heat. As you were, Jeffrey. Interesting, interesting kind of, this is interesting, and I was trying to figure out a way that we can talk about it. Uh, my, my, you know my friend Nico Tavernisi, Downward Spiral, unbelievable yeah, guy. Yeah, the photographer. Yeah, His sister is has been with the New York Times for decades. She was like a bureau chief in Russia. She was a high-level person in with the Times, uh, really just a very smart her husband worked in 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 government just a just an awesome couple and they've been buying knives for me since the beginning like before i was even doing anything Mm -hmm. she's on a the new york times podcast it's called the daily and it's every day there's like a 20 30 minute podcast every day and it's about a pro you know a thing something going on in the world and they kind of is it like the summary of the news or do they take a one specific thing Yes, one specific thing. It's great. Okay. I mean, it is depending on your. I mean, it is obviously very you know New York centric. New York Times is very New York centric, so it's very like left leaning. Yeah. But at the same time, they ultimately do have other uh, episodes that are really interesting. And they had one about OnlyFans, and it's called. And if you don't, I would fi- highly suggest our listeners to listen to. It's called e pimping. It's called e pimping of OnlyFans on the daily, something like that. I'll find it later. And it was all about OnlyFans. And here was the interesting thing. So in the middle of the pandemic, people were out of work. They're trying to figure out ways in which to make money. They start to go on OnlyFans. OnlyFans is different than, obviously, different from Instagram because you can't show your tits on Instagram. So they were, all these people were Doesn't starting. stop me. <laughs> there he goes, back from Disneyland, shooting shots, baby, shooting shots. You're like Mickey Mouse giving the finger from the, from the, from the balcony. I love it. So, so, so what happens is, is this guy realized that he could help these models. Cause what the whole thing is, is besides you, you know, it's like Patreon, you know, you, you give people whatever they pay to, to be one of your followers but there's this whole weird dm culture like you can dm one of these models and say hey you, you do me a favor and sh- you know burp you know give me a burp or something like that that's actually yeah. one of them there's many other things you can do you jerk off whatever so there's this like negotiation in regards to you know what's going to be very much like what knife makers have to do with the dms of people like what are you going to do mm-hmm. for this what are you so this guy came up with this idea to basically be a management company for these instagram models and they'll help do the, they'll do the, help do the marketing. They'll help do like the, you know, what needs to be done, help with the arrangements. And then they'll have what's called a chatter. And the chatter will pretend to be that model. So you can have this kind of intimate conversation with this model that you think you're talking to, but it turns out to be someone from the Philippines. <laughs> yeah. And it's such yeah. a money. Ma- what you wearing? Show your tits. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, they're not talking. They're chatting, texting. And he was talking about the difference between texting eighteen-year-olds versus twenty-five-year-olds. And it's this incredible, like, lucrative way how technology has changed and how these people are making money. And basically, it's mm. their pimps, right? So yeah, they're, yeah. they're figuring they're, out. They're not leveraging their brand. They're, they're leveraging their tech space. They're helping, yeah. but but the, this, these management companies are helping facilitate this personal touch. And this mm. is the thing we're talking about with knife making is like, you know, you can go buy a knife on Amazon, but like being able to talk to the person and to have this interaction with this person, you feel special and stuff like that. And on, on OnlyFans, 
it's the same thing, but it's good money. You know, they're, mm, there's, yeah. they're trying to figure out ways in which they can engage the customers and basically fleece them by mm. pretending to be this model. And, you know, they have, you know, a bank of pictures and they can, you know, send little pictures and stuff like that. But I found it to be very interesting because we talk about social media and how you can monetize what you're doing with social media. And I found it to be very, just a fascinating conversation. Mm, yeah. It, it, um, who would have thought, you know, 10 years ago that, you know, if most most of our businesses and probably most of the listeners as well, their business is reliant on their their phone, you know? And, right. You know, Instagram or wherever it may be. It's, yeah, it is absolutely crazy. But it's... And you've got to think the way things are changing, specifically with Instagram, that whether, you know, whether there's going to be a, di- a different platform that would, would suit us better in the future or whether, you know, we just need to learn to use Instagram, you know, in a slightly different way. But it seems to be sort of morphing into a mix of everything else, you know, whether it's TikTok, whether it's Facebook, you know, it seems to be taking bits from even WhatsApp. And, you know, some people just using it as a messaging tool now as opposed to anything else. Um, Yeah, it's a shame when you think what Instagram originally was, you know, it's for sharing sharing photos, you know. You know, I well, remember when people used to take photos, you know, on a, on a good digital camera, and then they put it on their phone so they could put it up to Instagram, and people be like, "That's not what Instagram is for," you know. Right. When you think of what people use it for now, anymore, it, you know? yeah, it's crazy. As what's interesting is, is speaking to a lot of other knife makers and people of interest. Talk to Aaron Goff. Talk about uh, post scarcity. That the idea that in the future that nothing will be of value. And, you know, material objects won't have any value. And then talking to Fingal and talking to all these guys. The interesting thing is for knife makers, you have a physical result at the end of a kind of a communication, whether they see your picture, where they have a conversation with you, where they interact with you on Instagram or whatever, Mm -hmm. Facebook or something. That interaction leading to the physical object is the value. Because, I mean, just like being a dick on the Internet and, you know, having some music behind you isn't really what's going to do it. It's the final outcome of having a knife in someone's hand. They feel like they've been on some sort of yeah journey. They're, they're part of your team. Yeah. Almost. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're getting your crew together. Yeah. Look at that. Yeah. Look at you. You're back, baby. You're back from Disneyland. <laughs> we're we're back going from deep, Disney. deep, deep. Let's hear from Brian a sec. Combat Abrasives makes the world's best abrasive belts for knife makers. Available in any size at unbelievable prices. Go take a look at CombatAbrasives.com and get 15% off with promo code KNIFETALK15. Do it now. Do it now. But I'm I'm just, you know, thinking about that further now. And I'm thinking if I open up my Instagram now, my my content is such a strange, strange mixture of, of different interests that I've got. And I mean everybody's you know everybody's stream is different everybody's content that that that, that they're getting you know forced into their phone is very different so how do you compete with you know i'm just looking through now there's bloody as well as the normal ads there's all sorts there and you know some of the content is actually like really really well done and when you think of you know most knife makers they're in a they're in a shitty dusty dirty dark shop you know how are you going to compete you know get your eyeballs on your stuff it's really difficult, and yeah, you know, you've got to be really imaginative. And I don't know, this it's difficult. There's no, there's no easy answer, is there? It's bizarre because I mean, like, 
it's when you, especially, you know, the way they, they do feeds, you can see how many views you get and it becomes very much along the lines of you're able to kind of, that's a gauge that you just, ha- you can't ignore, you know, and especially like I'm talking to, talking to Chris, he's like, it's crazy. I have 1.2 million views on me wearing sunglasses using fucking saw. You know, yeah. it's like, there's no <laughs> rhyme or reason to it, but I'll tell you what, when I go look on Instagram, I'm not seeing any knife makers anymore. All I'm seeing are like mm. bar stool sports and <laughs> people doing all sorts of just, it's just real upon real upon real. And and yeah. it's like, it's bizarre. So this show that I was listening to was called, it's on, it's called the, the podcast is called the daily. And the episode is from June 12th. It's called the Sunday read the E pimps of only fans. It was actually, it was a very fascinating, uh, it was very sad, actually. I, I, I kind of felt bad for like the dudes who are like trying to get some <laughs> fart content from these models. <laughs> yeah. They're being catfished, basically. They're getting they? catfished yeah. on a monumental level. I kind of felt bad <laughs> for them, to be honest with you. But I mean, I, I'm sure that used to be the case with these premium phone lines back in sort of 80s and 90s. You know, you, you see these pictures in phone booths of you know these you know beautiful women and he's like give us a call and i'm yeah. sure it's some it's some oversized latvian really you know, <laughs> you know with hairy kneecaps yeah. the yeah. sex worker trade is sad you know it, it's very sad but for some reason and usually i'm very i'm very sympathetic towards the plight of sex workers is just like because it's just you know it's such a it's such a dark dark place to be yeah. in your life and i'm sure it's not what a lot of people really truly want in their lives and to know that there's like a real there's a there you know you there's a real lifespan of this career that it's just it, everything about it's really sad but listening yeah. to this episode I was just like those fucking guys looking for farts and burps are, <laughs> are pathetic, <laughs> pathetic i feel terrible for them you're trying to ah it was very depressing right, take right. their money if they're if they're giving you money take the money and fart well, you can <laughs> you know that's all you guys on the patreon you, you can do it you can yeah. do it get yourself some let's, fart jars and... let's do some questions um you know we're meant to be talking about knives for uh, God's sake. that's what some people think yeah <laughs> okay where, where are we um jack Henry Relstab, I think is his name. Oh, yeah, he's a badass. He's a, he's an awesome knife maker. Yeah? yeah. Um, hey, guys, got a question. Where do you find the most meaning in your work, and why do you make knives? It's a given we all love working with our hands, but I want to hear your thoughts on the philosophical side of knife making. Cheers. He's a journeyman smith, awesome, one of these young oh. guys. He's just a dynamite oh. kid, dynamite knife maker, too. Great guy. I spent some time with him in Stelter like three years ago down in uh, at Blade Show. Awesome oh, guy. Oh, cool, cool philosophical side of knife making um i mean the reason i started making knives was because i'd been spending the last sort of 25 years prior to that just on screens um just looking at stuff you know sorry you know just looking at screens all day so it was just a case of man i need to be you know make making physical stuff and you know that sort of started with you know making sort of digital physical stuff you know like before the internet of things and all that kind of stuff um, and then I, we've talked about this many times, but I, I think I saw a, um, uh, was, uh, basically look on YouTube, you go down rabbit holes. Um, and then I, Walter Sorrell's video came up and I saw that and I was like, Oh, I'm going to give that a go. Um, and then, you know, then that just started. And what I found was because I wasn't on a screen and I was making something physically, my whole, my head was into it completely. Whereas if I'm doing something on the screen, I've got all these other little jobs that you're doing to achieve that task, and you get notifications coming up, and you get you know these lights and buzzers everywhere, and you're just like whoa 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 whoa. 
not realizing that you just, you know, your mind's everywhere. Um, but what I found as soon as I started making real physical things, in this case, it was knives. Um, yeah, my head just sort of calmed a bit, you know, it's just like, oh, okay, I'm only doing this. I can sort of really take my time and just do this. There's not a million other things competing for my attention. Um, and I still get that. Unfortunately, I don't get that much time now to be doing it. Um, but when I do, it really does calm me, which is, you know, if you can find work that that's calming, I think that's, you know, it's a good thing to be doing. I would say for me, in terms of the philosophical side, going from sculpture to knife making was probably more rewarding because when you're making sculpture, it is this, it is this, the whole idea of you're expressing yourself and I'm throwing fucking quotes up in the air because I'm so repelled by that, you know, conver- that whole conversation of like, I need you to see what I'm thinking. And <laughs> it's very important for you to know that I have thoughts about art it's repellent artists are the worst i mean they're legitimately the worst when you're making a knife though especially for me for you know culinary the culinary side is you're able to make something of a certain level and people are using it to nourish their families and it really does Mm -hmm. become something very very rewarding in their regards to it's not just this you know self-indulgent thing that's hanging on the wall and that's part of your decor yeah. Um, I'm telling you, I, I say this a lot, and I know you guys break my balls and stuff like that. How old I'm getting? I the, I wouldn't trade to be 30 years old again now, knowing what I know and being how I am for yeah. anything. I'm far more. My motivations have completely changed, and I'm far more like making the hammers. Like just the idea of every day scratching better and better. I made this sledgehammer sledgehammer's good i mean for me i'm not the mm. hammer making is not great and I, i'm not selling them and there's some cockeyed some of them might get mishits and and i don't get depressed anymore i get like well the next one's gonna be better and it's kind of the way i used to feel when i started making knives the next one's gonna get yeah. better and that's what i was wondering when you were talking about that at the top of the show that's what i was wondering is when you said you get you're getting this you know they're not right but you're getting you know a good feeling about it yeah was that like when you started making knives yeah where everyone gets better and better well but it's do you for- think you can get to a point where those gains are going to reduce as you get better the gains reduce and maybe your interest would wane do you think i think you got a point i think you have a good point there i think it's very it very much could be i mean i know that my two i know that some of the things that are happening are I'm not as I, I'm struggling through self. I'm struggling through self uh, doubt. I'm so, struggling through uh, lack of discipline, and I'm very conscious of it every single time. And my tooling isn't to where I can forging hammers with a power hammer is a little bit dicier than using a press because with press it's like it's like that nice squeeze as yeah. opposed to you know you hit the you hit it with the hammer too many times you're gonna miss it. You can't. And, you know, it's, it's one of those things where like, I'm appreciative and I'm, because I'm 48, I'm much more, and I've been around the block, I'm accepting of the mistakes and I'm not depressed about it. And I'm just like, eh, don't worry about it. Just order some more steel. Like I ordered, like I made, since my kid, my family went away, I made like five hammers, like in at night and on the weekends when I wasn't really, I didn't need to be home. And it was like, I finished the last one. I was just like dude, go order some more fucking steel. So I ordered another block of 1045 and I was like, 
I'm gonna make some more. And I ordered some yeah. more, you know, wood and I ordered some, I, I'm like, I won't make, I'm not going to sell them, but it makes me happy. And it makes me feel like I have a more, uh, I'm getting better with every single one. Thanks to John Ariani. He'd been my, my guru. And, uh, I've been getting nice messages from other hammer makers, Ben Snore and royalty forge sent me a nice message. And other hammer mm. makers have been really, uh, Alex Steele's guys sent me a message saying, come to, you know, uh, Montana make a hammer with us and I'm like okay well you know but I suppose you're in a place where um there's zero pressure on you making these because you're not selling them you don't have customers for them and and that's a question we get a lot of um from you know people DM us questions here and we often get asked you know when should I give up my job and when should I do right and we always say that same thing that when you do, that's when the pressure really starts. Because if you're in your case, let's say you you know you weren't a knife maker, you just started making these hammers, and all of a sudden, I'd I'd love this to be my job. You're thinking, and you give up you give up your work, and this is now your job. Now you get pressures. Now you get customers, and now you've got timescales to, to you know to, to to build to. Um, so yeah, you're in a lovely place where this isn't time sensitive, and this is this you this is going back to being a hobby, I suppose. It's so much more enjoyable because I'm, I'm refusing to sell them. Like I don't yeah. like, I've had people in my DMS, you know, who just think they're cool. And, and I, and I'm very appreciative, but, and I, and I, there, I don't think that I'm a, I think that I learned from Fred Chris, who's an awesome blacksmith. And he started, I, he's the first guy I met who started making all his own tools. And he made a hammer that was like, you know, Nothing to write home about, but I love the fact that he was a blacksmith making his own tools. Same thing with Jesse Savage. He makes his own tools. And I appreciated that as a part of being a blacksmith and celebrating the trade. And now I know so many amazing hammer makers. It's just like my shit is just like they work. They hit great. Some of them are hit better than others, and some of them are weighted better. And I'm still – but at the same time, I'm like the joy is infinite right now and i know mm. that if i started to be like all right this is the fader fader hammer company i wouldn't i wouldn't enjoy it as much yeah. so yeah. and it's totally the, the philosophy is definitely there but in regards to that i like for the philosophy of fader knives is i like being a business where i'm employing people i'm making an american product selling to abroad and i'm able to figure out ways in which to be uh, a buy the book business owner and i like that that's the, the to me that's the real excitement is can i go from being a craftsman or an artist to being successful in business and that's my new goal that i'm far more interested in i'm willing to put the time into and the energy and the blood sweat and the tears to get there nice so look if you guys um haven't got the time or the inclination to make your own hammers like jeff has um you could just go to texasfarosupply.com where they stock everything you'd need as a farrier and also as a blade maker as well. So, you know, if you're a knife maker and you need stuff, get to texasfarrowsupply.com. That's what I'm saying. They sell in Dasarinoet as well, which is the sandpaper that we all use. It saves you time, saves you money. Um, head on over, texasfarrowsupply.com. Use Knife Talk 10 in the promo, little promo thing when you're checking out, and you'll get 10% off. So that's not just the Dasarinoet, which you obviously need to put in your, in your cart anyway. Um, it's everything that they sell. Go take a look. There you go. Should we do another question? We could do more questions. We could do all sorts of stuff. Uh, here, this one comes from Dave Weiss. He says, am I, am I late? Question for you all. Aside from the custom knives, 
can you guys suggest a good knife set for the average home kitchen? You know, dishwasher, kids, wife safe, because they don't touch my handmade knives. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> Take care, fellas. Summer's coming. Well, summer's here. Summer You're not too coming. late. We can get to you for a while. So, you have any ideas um, on uh, good home knives, kitchen knives? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm in my kitchen at the moment, so I'm just looking at my knife rack. And... um We've got some um, Opinel um, chef knives that they now do. Um, really, really cheap. I think they're sort of like 20, what, equivalent to $20, $30. Um, but they also, I mean, you mentioned kids. They also do, you know, kids-specific ones as well. Um, and as, even as a kid, I used to love the little Opinel folders, you know. And I, even now, I've got, I've got a bunch of Opinel folders up on my knife rack because they're quite handy in the kitchen too. Mm. Um yeah, Opinel stuff. I think it's great. It's cheap. Um, if you know, if you damage it, break it, you just you just get another one. It's not it's not a big problem. Um, yeah, big fan. I would. I a lot of kitchen guys, um, a lot of like professional kitchen guys get Mac knives. M A C. Mm, they yeah. make good knives, inexpensive. They're they're easy to easy to kind of maintain. They're perfectly good knives. Uh, I think most knives, even. It's just, it's how you do. And actually, this would be a question that I, I would, I was going to pose to you in regards to this reminded me of that talking about the difference between carbon steel and stainless steel. Mm. If you have, as a business person, you could only pick one for your customers, carbon steel or stainless steel, which would you pick? I'm not telling which alloy, no matter, I don't give a shit about the alloy. Yeah. Yeah. Just which yeah, just... would, if you were had to use only one type of steel, carbon or stainless which would you pick and why? If if it's from a customer point of view, you um, decide. Say, you can decide any way you. If it was for you okay. or for like looking at your customer base, whatever you want to go was, with. If it was just up to me, um, they'd be carbon steel because I find them so so much easier to finish. Um, but I do find that most of my customers are looking for stainless knives for obvious reasons, um, and. Yeah, so for that reason, I would pick stainless just because there's more business out there to be had. Um, the amount of professional kitchens that I speak to, and they don't really know, you know, a carbon steel and stainless. They don't know what the difference even, you know? Um, so, yeah, I think I'd pick stainless, even though I'm making a rod for my own back because it's just that much harder to finish. Yeah. Actually, I, was, I, was, uh, I don't know. I probably mentioned this in the last show, but I don't know if you've seen the show The Bear. On, uh, you mentioned Hulu. i haven't seen it yet no oh, i haven't dude, seen it yet. you gotta see it it's it's i actually my kids watching it now and i'm watching it for a, i never do this but i'm watching it again it's just so great hmm. one of the only beefs i have is he's he, they're using carbon steel knives throughout the whole thing and none of them have any patina on it that's my only and if that's <laughs> the only criticism you. i have <laughs> then you did a fucking good job because the, the only people are going to notice are the knife makers yeah. It's interesting because nice. when I think about my customers, and I, th I thought about this this morning, listening, reading this, uh, and thinking about Mar the difference if Mareko, oh, too bad Mareko's not here. My customers are like usually first-time knife buyers. And even if they weren't first-time knife buyers, a lot of times they just don't want to deal with carbon steel. A mm. lot of them don't. And I love the idea of being able to give something that people want as the knife that they want and they don't have to feel like they're pressured. You know, that was one thing when I first started Fader Knives, I got into stainless steel early and actually had, I had uh, Kyle Daly of the Knife Perspective podcast. There you go. There you go, Kyle. 
he actually did all my heat treating for me, all my stainless. I started to do stainless. I did stainless for some local people here and I'd never done it before. And he reached out to me, so I'll do them for you. So the stainless was really something that it was very easy to transition to only because the people who wanted my knives just didn't understand why these knives were getting rusty, the carbon steel knives. They didn't like it. And it, it, there is something about the idea of being able to give someone something that they're comfortable with, not something super elaborate or not that there's anything wrong with that. But my particular customers, they just want to be able to make dinner and, and enjoy themselves and be part of something without the, the heavy duty maintenance or even light duty maintenance. You know, people say, well, all you have to do is just keep it dry and then throw some chameleon oil on it. And then all you have to do is just like hit it with this and then hit it with that. And then the ax wax. And then some people don't want to do that. Mm, Some people want to put their fucking knives in the dishwasher. Yeah. Well, I've got a story about that. So I have a a former MasterChef winner in the UK, and this was probably about two, three years ago. Um, that, sorry, they didn't win two or three years ago. Just, I'm not, just people can't work out who it is. Um, but their wife contacted me two or three years ago and asked for a knife. And we, we were talking and I mentioned, you know, she said, what's the difference between carbon? And I, I told her all the rest. Anyway, she wanted a carbon steel knife for, for her husband, who was the MasterChef winner. Um, all done, all happy with that, sent off to them. Um, it was a Christmas present for him. Um, two days after Christmas, I get an email from her saying the knife is fucked. Like it's, it's, it's just all rusty right. and it's all terrible. And I'm like, well, what's happened? Um, and you know, it took a while to coax it out of them, but you know, they'd put it in the dishwasher well, and course. just left it in overnight. So all that steam would just stay on it and all the rest of it. And then it's just like, they, they just had no idea, yeah. you know? And yeah, that's so, that's so apparent because it's like, there's just, there's some cooks out there, some chefs out there. They just don't care how things are made. They mm, don't know how yeah. an oven works. They don't really, they don't understand the coils. They don't understand. There's things that they, some of them just don't understand. And then knives are one of them until they start to fuck around. And they realize I mm. made knives for, for a whole restaurant. The, they brought the, they brought the, 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 the chef brought the restaurant, the entire chef, the kitchen to the shop. I did a demo. I did a whole day with them. I made bottle openers. We forged bottle openers. I explained carbon stainless. They ordered knives. And then when I delivered the knives, after the whole thing, the chef said to me, he's like, what's the difference between carbon and stainless again? <laughs> like, I was just like, oh my God, we're here. We're here now. We're here now with yeah. that. It's just one of those things that just people just don't get. And I'll tell you what, which is another person who's, who's can, can fuck, can fuck off is that Gordon Ramsay. He's now peddling him some fucking knives, which are fine. But he's starting to push people say, well, these knives are 60 Rockwell. You know what 60 Rockwell means? <laughs> that means that they're harder. And if they're harder, that means the edge will stay longer. That's not really true. And it's like mm-hmm. they're perpetuating these th- these myths for people. When, it, when some of my customers ask me what the Rockwell is, part of me wants to know, do you know what the Rockwell is? Like, do you understand what that means? It mean a whole lot to you maybe. Yeah. So they they've just, they just it's, it's some marketing speak and they think the harder the better he, you know yeah, yeah. he's doing that he's Gordon Ramsay's yeah. he's he's doing that scissor thing I don't know you see him every time he got a steel in his hands he looks like a <laughs> yeah. fucking giant <laughs> a cricket man. looks like a, <laughs> yeah. like a fucking redheaded cricket you're twirling <laughs> on his claws you know he does like a like a I I hate it when he does that it's just like he's making a noise like a, he's trying to attract some sort of mantis mate yeah. 
But there's going to be yeah. so many people that will, you know, if, if Gordon Ramsay says this, yeah. it's, you know, this, this is the way it is. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Uh, well, but anyway, if we're talking about stainless or carbon steel, if you want something special, maybe for a special customer, um, Dharma Steel. They make some fantastic stainless Damascus. Um, amazing, amazing patterns and, you know, really beautiful stuff. Um, go to take a look at dharmasteel.se. You'll see what they've got. They've got some new patterns coming up as well, which we'll be talking about in, in future weeks. Um, but the best place to probably look is Dharma Steel Lab on Instagram because they're, they're very good at reposting what other people make with Dharma Steel. And you can see this is all high-level stuff, high-level stuff, really, really beautiful. So take a look. Um, if you register on dharmasteel.se, which is their website, and use Knife Talk, you'll get 10% off your order as well. So go take a look. We have some listener feedback, and I'm going to have to make a giant, my first and only giant apology in the in the, in the listener feedback. So let's do it. Let's do it then. Yeah. All right. So guys, if you want to get involved with the show, listener feedback, tough dilemmas, questions, hot takes, you got to get involved on Instagram or Knife Talk Podcast on Instagram. It also tells you, you know, we'll tell you when things are happening and how you can get involved. And Instagram is only the best way to go. So follow us on Instagram. Uh, listener feedback. This one comes from uh, Koei Forgeworks. Just the thought, if a customer wants a le- and this is last week we were asked a question about a, a letter of authenticity. I don't know if you heard that episode. Mm, yeah, I heard it, yeah. If a customer wants a letter of authenticity, then you know it's for resale. And the value probably increases over the decades with the letter. So make it a product that you sell. Make it fancy photos, videos, step-by-step process on the PowerPoint type presentation, almost like an old inside jackets of albums uh, with all the extras hmm. behind the scenes. Sleeve notes. Turn yeah. the process into a product and then charge accordingly. Maybe hire someone to do that stuff for you. Some freelance wedding photography type person, two to three hours of photos, videos, computer work, and it's a second product and available on the custom website. So hmm. basically, basically what those people on OnlyFans are doing. Just do that. Yeah, I mean, I like the sound of that, but I mean, the the problem is that anything anything that we do is basically going to be digital, whether they're going to be photos, whether it's going to be video, and how do you sort of store that to add value? You know, it's like yeah, I've got all like record sleeves and you know even some of them signed and all that kind of thing, and there's there's massive value in that because it's it's that thing that you can smell and touch and all the rest of it. But what you know? Just say no. Yeah, I've got some really cool stuff on my hard drive. Do you want to come and have a look? It's, it's not the same, is it? You know, <laughs> that's a that's a that's a knock, I'm knocking the door from the FBI if you say that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> look yeah. at my hard drive. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, I just got back from Disneyland. Don't yeah. worry about it. Actually, and, uh, speaking, of what you were just saying is, I had an idea a while ago. This is before I decide I'm not going to sell hammers. What would be a cool thing to do? And if some of you thieves want to take this thing, you don't give me credit for it. I'm going to let you have it. I thought it would be cool is to, if you make a knife, you make all the tools and then mm. use the tools to make the knife. And then you get the hammer that you made the knife with, you get the tongs you made the knife with, and you, all the tooling you made, and it kind of goes with the knife. So I, so I was talking to Tony about that. He's like, yeah, that's a good idea. Maybe you could just make knives. That's what he usually says when I have an idea that outside. <laughs> yeah. the, We'd have to come with a free broadback grinder as well. <laughs> the so, outside you know. the no, but I mean <laughs> it, was, it would go? be a cool idea. Like if you could buy, if you know, I made the hammer or somebody made the hammer, and then they use that hammer to forge the knife. That's kind of mm. an interesting part of the process. You know, that interesting kind of addition. But yeah, that'd, that'd be a very specific customer then, though, wouldn't it? That's not the general customer. Of course, yeah. but I mean, you know, some of these guys, all some of these customers, all they want is a harpoon clip. So they don't give a shit. Yeah. You know, they're like, I mean, is it a hammer that made it with it. The hammer yeah. that made the harpoon clip too. 
Yeah. You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. But I'm amazed that nobody has made... Well, you know, we're just talking about, you know, having sort of a digital record of these being made. There's... There's no real solution, is that? Yeah, you could give it to them on a USB stick, but that's not cutting the mustard, is it? The only real There's... way to do it would be to do a YouTube video of that specific knife. Exactly. Yeah, know? and and it's like, a... does that really make a difference? Like, you can you can watch yeah. the person make the knife and then what? Sell the sweaty T-shirt with it? I, don't, I mean, yeah, it's a weird one, isn't it? I don't. <laughs> yeah, the, the T-shirt you wore when you made the knife. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, what I do now is is the I make. Well, I mean, I love the making Kydex sheets, especially if I can get the color that matches. Mm. And then I do a little signature. I do, I sign the the Kydex sheets, and something about it just looks like it's kind of a more personal situation. Yeah. You know. Yeah. There. That's been a fun little thing that people are getting into. So. Uh, okay, this this one's we're getting apology time. When you and I were talking together a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about powdered drinks. Remember that? Ah, uh, yes. That was yes. that. That was uh, surprisingly a lot of feedback about the fact that you don't know about powdered drinks. Yeah, and I have to make it. I have to make an apology to one of our listeners. So Nutz Connie Hansen says, "Yes, there are drinks with powdered base like iced tea in Europe." Uh, in Sweden, they make iced tea with powder. I guess Craig had never heard of it. So no, here's where no. I got to make an apology. So Meredith McDaniel's our great listener. She's a masseuse. She's terrific. She always writes great stories. She she's a great follower. Uh, she's a great listener. She was she one of our friends. I'm going to have to apologize to her. She says feedback for the after show. Please don't let Craig think that Americans drink quote sweet tea by adding powder to water. That shit is an abomination to the planet and should be eradicated by nuclear warheads and then have the ashes danced on the devil's worshiping ceremony or something. Dear God, powdered sweet tea. The first time I tried that up north, I was appalled. Sweet tea should always have been made with tea leaves, water, sugar, syrup, and uh, maybe some fruits added to the flavor. Okay, now I'm done. Thanks. Now, I misspoke because so iced tea is tea that's you know cooled iced. down and and then they, yeah right it's tea, it's hot tea that's cooled down with ice right and then some of them are sweetened and some of them are unsweetened so up north you can see bottles you can sell bottles and it'll tell you if it's sweetened or not sweet yeah sweet tea in the south is something entirely different it is iced tea that's very sweet like so sweet 
you just like you go in a diabetic shot. It's so sweet. Yeah. So I, we, I think we do get that. That's in cans and in bottles, but certainly not in a powder form. Yeah. Well, but it, yeah. but sweet tea in the South is delicious under the right circumstances, <laughs> and it's definitely not powdered. But you can have sweetened tea. So Meredith, I realized that after I said it that I might get. So I didn't realize that I was so inaccurate. So I apologize. My first and only time I apologize. That's it. I'm not apologizing. Uh, Rogue Forgework says, thanks for the input a couple of weeks ago. Much appreciated. The question is in regards to maker's marks. I've been marking my knives with a hot stamp with my last name. And I'm wondering if it's, uh, would be better to have my business slash forge name on the blade instead, or should I stick to putting my last name on the blades? Thank you. That's a good question. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, what you see a lot of uh, forges do is they'll have the forge mark, but they'll forgers. also have the initials of the maker as well. Forgers make money, dude. <laughs> I don't know why mm. everyone, cause some people call them forgers. Forgers are the guys who are making <laughs> fake money. Uh, right there. The forgeries. Yeah. Right. Okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, so they'll put the, you know, the maker's initial as well. And, you know, I've got an axe here and, and you know, they've done the same. The Grounds for Brooks guys do the same with that. Um, but if it's just you, um, maybe make, you know, for, you know, for just for marketing purposes, I suppose, make that decision whether you are, you know, the business name or whether you're going by your, by your single name and do everything in that. So whether it regards all your social media, everything is all pointing to that same one thing would make sense. Um, but I don't know your, there may be a bunch of you, I don't know, but, um, you know, that, that's what I'd say. If it is just you, just pick one and have it throughout. It's tough because like, I can't change my, I can't change my, my touch mark was my original touch mark. Yeah, And it doesn't really make sense brand wise, but at the same time, it's like, I'm ready to grassroots it. You know, it's, I'm not ready to rebrand, you know, it's just like, I, I, I don't think it would look good. I mean, now it looks good on, Mareko's always had his touch mark is Mar- fire arts. Yeah. And it's like, he's, he's figured out that's what his goal is down the line. He wants to be more than just whatever. And it does make a lot of sense for people to have a touch mark. I know I talked to John Ariani. He used to have his Sunset Forge. He used to have a pig. The pig was his hmm. punch start, was a stamp. And he would talk to me. He's like, yeah, I'm thinking about changing it. You know, my kids are getting older. I'd like them to see their name on the hammers and stuff like that. And so he's trying to figure out ways in which to do it. And it's hard for a lot of people. Because you, I thought that was a picture of John. Okay. Oh, right. Okay. Oh. Sorry. Okay. Oh, I thought man. it was Here a picture. I didn't say it. I didn't mean it. Maybe. Let's not start this 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 beef I with mean, John I, again. It's, it's all a joke, pork. John. It's not this pork. Um, <laughs> but it is interesting because you know I think that for blacksmiths, I mean, the touch mark is just a part of who you are as a craftsman. But then all of a sudden you start to think about like, well, maybe I should be putting, you know, faderknives.com on every knife, and I don't want to do that. Hmm. You know, it's like. <laughs> are we talking about the craftsmanship of the the maker's mark or what is it a maker's mark or is it like branding or how do we kind of like you know separate is this our craft and our love and the person we are or this is just like yo i need to get people to buy my knives now interesting enough is i i've had enough um people send me messages say i've seen your knife on this tv show and it doesn't say fader knives on it just says the g and the f and there's a star in the mm. middle of the dots on the side and now i've gotten to the point where it's starting to become recognizable which is kind of neat but yeah. like those things are tough you know yeah and i'm um, you specifically your your handles are very recognizable as well so that's almost like a maker's mark for you right 
it, they're very distinctive. And it's like, well, that's that's one of Jeff's. And you could see that, you know, from across the room as opposed to a small maker's mark. Um, that's, you know, coming back to but coming back to the question, I think personally, I think if it's if it's just you, pick a brand and stick with it throughout, so it's uniform through everything you do. If it's a bunch of you all trading under this one sort of company, maybe 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 then carry on with both. It's tough. It's tough because it's like you also don't know. My original idea was I was going to have a touch mark made and it was going to be a, a fishing lure and then a knife. And, and I was just like, what am I doing? It's just, just, just stop everything and just keep it simplified. And it's like, it's hard, man. It's hard to kind of figure out what your plan is. I, I love a hot stamp when they look good. They look great. Mm. I mean, even Neil, Neil's, Neil's using his grandfather's touch mark or a variation mm. on his grandfather's touch mark. Great, grand, great, grand, grand, whatever grandfather, great grandfather. Um, it's definitely something to think about, but at the same time, it's just like, you know, if you, the, the, the touch mark isn't what's going to sell the product. It's just going to, you know, so. Yeah. Yeah. I think maybe a lot of the time we're maybe focusing on, you know, the, the minutia and these right. little things, you know, when basically you just, you know, you need to be making great knives and they'll sell, I suppose. You know, and I'm I'm guilty of that as much as anybody else. You know, that brings a great topic of conversation, which is the idea that a lot of times knife makers are are looking at details that the customers don't even yeah. know. Yes. That yeah. is a that is something that I've learned early on later on, middle on, that it's like it's almost as if we're making knives for other knife makers to give us approval. Yeah, and I've got a bunch of rejects here where, you know, the the ordinary man, if you like, would take a look and say, "Well, that's that's you know, that's, right. that's perfect. There's nothing wrong with that." But I think because we're all we're all using you know the likes of Instagram and the rest of it, and we know that we're, a lot of makers are following us, we yeah we treat things differently because we know a maker would maybe pick up on the slightest thing and we all do it i'm sure we all you know zoom into other people's stuff and just check you know just check just under the under the, you know it's underneath the handle see if it's all cleaned up and so on so you know yeah it's just it is just the way of the world unfortunately that's the hardest part and that's something that i've kind of decided to forego anymore like a number of years ago i was so concerned with I was concerned with a lot of those little tiny things. And then mm. I try to do the best I can. And what I had to do is I had to say, I'm simplifying the pro the process. So I'm not like completely crazy yeah. when I'm making this. Yeah. And because like, you know, there are things that they're there. It's just like, what am I, why am, why am I tearing my hair out for something that I'm not, you know, I'm not duping anyone. I'm just trying to yeah. make the best thing I can make. And I also, I still believe that I like the humanity in the things that I do. Like I like, like I'm not, a, I'm not upset if there's like a little one thing happens. It's slightly not planned or I don't really, it doesn't really bother me. I mean, it doesn't really mm. bother me at all. I'll be honest with you. Some things just, I allow myself to think about it and fix it or if i you know obviously i've i've taken actually just recently took off some a couple of handles because they just weren't right but like i'm not you know you have to have a you have to have a certain line i think yeah you know, yeah but. and you know we, again we always mention this that you know there's different levels to this as well if you're charging you know a few grand for something 
um, you're going to put more time and effort into it. Whereas if you need to, you know, get 15 knives out at the end of the week, it's, it's a slightly different, you know, way of making. Jared Thatcher once said to me, he's like, $1,000 knives have lead to $1,000 problems. Something along those lines. <laughs> I thought it was true. very smart. Yeah. He's like, I don't do that because I don't want to, $1,000 knives lead to $1,000 problems. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought true. what we could do is let's maybe do another ad read and we could do either tough dilemmas or maybe some hot takes, whatever, yeah. you, whatever you let's like. Let's do that. This one's for the uh, <clears throat> Canucks. Canucks? What are they called? Canucks. Canucks. Well, I think Canucks is fine. Canucks our is loving, fine. Our loving Canadians Canadian out friends. there. Yeah, Canadian friends. Uh, MaritimeKnifeSupply.com. Uh, they're, they're, they're great people. Um, they, they've got everything you'd need for the knife maker, as you'd expect. Um, but go take a look, maritimeknifesupply.com. Um, they're selling ovens now as well. They've got, they've got it all there. So if you're based in Canada, that's the place to go. Maritimeknifesupply.com. They're also on Instagram. Um, they've quite often got offers as well. So go take a look. Um, and I think if you use Knife Talk, um, you will get a discount on, you know, if you buy a number of belts because they also sell, uh, combat abrasives as well. Everything we use, they sell. Uh, so even if you're in the U.S., you can go take a look, and apparently with the exchange rate and so on, you can get a good deal. So take a look, MaritimeKnifeSupply.com. Lawrence the powerhouse. He is a powerhouse. I don't know yeah. how he does it all. Right, where are we? We what could do we tough scenarios, hot takes, whatever you prefer. Let's do a tough scenario. Okay, this tough scenario is basically if you're the listener and you have an idea, and when you submit tough scenarios, they don't have to be real. You know, you can just make one up. <laughs> However, the sex ones, I'm never interested in. You just, you're going to forget it. You get start talking about, you, both, all your three of your dicks are out. And I'm not interested. I'm not even coming to this immediate race. You know, dick talk, I'm not, I'm just not interested in. I, I, I'm interested in the dick talk stories, but I don't want you to give us your, <laughs> I don't want you to give us your, your perverted questionnaires okay so this one comes from Corey phillips i've been a knife hobbyist for a couple of years and i've decided to start making my own kitchen knives after listening to your podcast you guys have given me some good advice on starting grinding and the nick wheeler videos have been very informative i have a dilemma i want to be a stock removal maker and i don't really have any aspirations to forge at this time Somehow, a rural Western North Carolina, uh, somehow in r- rural Western North Carolina, there are three solid knife makers, one even being a master smith. They each seem to encourage those eager to learn to reach out. Do you think I should try to learn from one of the two stock removal guys, both of which have solid work, or the master smith, even though I don't necessarily want to learn how to forge? He's feeling pressure. He's feeling that local pressure. Yeah, there's, there's no need to. There's no need to. You could, yeah. Um, again, you know, we, we we always come back to these same subjects, basically. But you know, I don't forge knives at all. Um, what? Everything that I do, everything that I do is stock removal. Um, and I think that, given the finished blade and maybe other people's finished blades that may be forged, um, you know, the the end quality. That's what it's all about. And I think you know, mine could compete with 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 anybody else's when it comes to performance. I'm sure of it. So. You know, times have changed. We, we, you know, some of us use electricity now as well on our grinders. You know, they're not you know big water wheels anymore. So times have changed. Use the tools that you've got, um, and yeah, make something great. It's as simple as that, really. But I was just um, talking- but when it comes to if you've got the opportunity to, to to work with others, maybe you know work with the uh, the guys who are doing stock removal. If you've never done it before and you you know you're looking to learn quickly, work with them if you can. 
And then if you do get the opportunity to work with the other guy as well, I mean, all the better, surely. I'm sure, you know, you probably have a great fit and finish as well. You can pick up some tips. Um, yeah, I don't think you'd be playing playing off against each other if, you know, if you, were, you, if you had to pick one. Um, you're not obliged to work with anybody. You're the boss. I had an interesting conversation with Fingal on Full Blast, and we were talking about barbecue. And we were talking about the difference between these pit masters who tend the fire all night long and they can mm. feel the heat and they know the heat versus these guys who get the pellet, the pellet smokers and they, you know, put the thing in that t- plugs into their iPhone and set it and forget it. And it was interesting because I felt like there was a real connection between a lot of these cooks and knife makers because I made the joke that like the guys who get the pellet stove that are hooked up to the app and it's like the stocker. I made the joke saying it was a stock removal of barbecue. <laughs> and was interesting was what Fingal had said was being able to kind of under, have an, an understanding from that deep, deep, deep uh, knowledge of the way it used to be gives you perspective that you wouldn't normally have. Now, obviously, you know, we're talking barbecue. It's like, you know, what's your, what's you want it to come out right every time, or do you want to have a better understanding? Mm-hmm. Forging is, I think that people have the wrong idea of what forging is. And I'm very, very on the train of don't think forging in regards to you're going to be there for two days and you want to make sure that at the end of that two days, you have something good. It's more about a philosophy. And actually, I was talking to uh, Tomer Tomer this morning, and Tomer just got back from Israel. He went to my friend, uh, our friend, Zivik Gottlieb's forge. He's a student of Uri Hoffi. And Tomer was like talking about forging. He says, I suck at this. And I think that he, you know, he doesn't suck at it. He just doesn't understand it yet. He doesn't have an understanding. Mm-hmm. He sent me a little video. He said, what do you think? And I said, well, I'll tell you what I think. I think that the anvil's too high for you. I think the tongs were too small for the material you had, and it made you stressed. And it made it hard. And forging knives for your first project is a hard thing to do. There's philosophical things in regards to blacksmithing that transfer over to everything. And I believe that the, you know, I'm sitting in lotus position with my fingers, you know, I'm saying, Om. you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Buddhist over here. I'm a blacksmithing Buddhist. I'm telling you that you will get a different understanding from forging. It's a different mindset, but it's also applicable to everything that you do. So I don't think there's anything wrong with it. However, I'm with Craig. There's nobody saying you have to do anything. Like you can do your thing. When you're ready, you're ready. That's the other thing that a lot of knife makers don't realize. You're ready when you're ready. And I think there needs to be more of a sincere thoughtfulness in regards to the reason why they're doing things. I said this, I don't know who I said this to. I don't really fuck with Damascus. I've been fooling around with one bar for years. And I'm just, I know in my heart, I am not ready. I'm not ready and I'm I'm fine with that. When Mm. I'm ready, I'm ready. And I think that there's a lot more of that is you should have a more of an idea of not worrying about what other people think that you should be doing and you should be doing what's right for you. My Ted yeah. talk ends now. <laughs> yeah. And there, there, there is a, an audience out there for, for every sort of kind you like. Again, I always mention this, that, you know, the three of us, the three hosts here, myself, Morocco and Jeff, we're in, we're almost in separate lanes, you know. We probably have a different different customer base and all the rest of it. Um, so yeah, there's a customer base out there for everybody. So don't feel as if you need to 
you know, comply with what everybody else is doing because you'll probably make more interesting stuff putting your own spin on it anyway. Well, here's a question for you, Craig. And I know you yeah. were hanging out with Steve House at Alex Pohl's place. Sorry for all the name oh, yes, dropping. Yeah, yeah. Sorry for all the name dropping, but that's the way it is. <laughs> um, when you went into Forge That Knife with Steve, yeah, did you enjoy yourself? Completely, completely. Because you know you're not going to, you don't want to do it. Exactly. Yeah. And again, it's that whole sort of no pressure on it. You know, it's 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 not something that I want to do, and not not saying it's not something that I want to do. I'd love to have the time to be able to do it, but you know, we all pick what we're going to be doing, and, and that's that. Yeah. But then um, how do you? Then how come you're sending me all these pictures of these cheap anvils all over the all over the countryside? <laughs> I know you want one. You sent, ladies and I've gentlemen, got three anvils ladies, myself now. Ladies and gentlemen, Craig Lockwood <laughs> is surrounded by an anvil orchard. It's like the, the French countryside is lousy with fucking anvils and it's they're everywhere yeah. and they're going yeah. cheap and they're doorstops and people just don't want them in their house. And you can go <laughs> to France and just take them away out of people's lives and they'll be perfectly happy. It's so frustrating. You're sending yeah. me these fucking things. Well, you think I should get it? It's only 15 minutes away. It's kind of far for that. Fifty dollar, three hundred pound, whatever. The noise. Like, go get it. Get your, get your ass there. What are you talking to me for? Go get it. Yeah, yeah. I've got three now, and they make great um, do, little <laughs> tables to put your cups on in the shop. You know? Do you really have three? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Oh, you prick you! <laughs> you prick you! I need to see pictures. Everyone wants to know the, the condition of them, and I want to know okay, how much yeah. you paid. Everyone wants to know how how much you pay. What are the condition? Is that any sway? Are the quarters? Yeah, I don't know. I mean. Uh, there was face. I, I've got like a notification thing on Facebook Marketplace. So you know, if anybody puts up a new anvil, um, you know, I get a you know a little message so I can go and take a look. Right. And yeah, they're, they're not they're not hard to f- come by here. Um, What's the I mean, most you paid for one? If you don't mind me asking, um, three hundred maybe for how big euros? Um, <laughs> up to my knees. I don't, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> That, that's exactly. I haven't got a clue what I'm looking at. And I'll send you these pictures. Like, does this look good to you? And you're like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I get so pissed. You send me these pictures. How big what is do you it? Think I to do? my knees. <laughs> what <are> you... <laughs> <laughs> uh, I could fit probably. Hole, I don't know what I'm... Probably nine or ten cups of coffee on it. You know. <laughs> That's the new way. That's the new way. I can rest my penis on it, and I can fit nine cups of coffee on the face. Exactly. <laughs> You're such scum. I get so infuriated every time you send me, you think this one's worth it? Get the fuck out of here. We end up having to pay like $700 for like a three, a, like a 150 pound piece of shit. Oh, wow. Ugh. Yeah. But it's, it's all farmland around here. And, you know, everybody's got an old one in their barn. I'm sure of it, you know? Mm-hmm. They don't know what to do with it. They don't realize how good they got it. Now I'm going to just immediately drop into hot takes. Oh, unless you yeah. want to do a dilemma on insurance. Ooh. Well, I tell you what, you tell everybody about your grinder first, and then we'll do a quick dilemma. When I, the last two hammers I made, I didn't even need, I didn't use the grinder except for the faces. But when I did do the faces, I used my Broadbeck Ironworks grinder. The 2x72 grinder is dynamite. It goes horizontally, vertically. All the attachments are very user-friendly, and they fit on other grinders if you have different chassis. Go to broadbeckironworks.com. And then put in the promo code Knife Talk, and you can get upgraded to their their really top of the line um, platen called the Moreco platen. Moreco designed it with them because the, the the whole point of the Moreco platen is it's the throat is very deep, so you're not when you're 
using both sides, you can carve the handles without the knife hitting the arm. So you, you have a lot of clearance. And then you have a top wheel that's a two-inch wheel, and the bottom wheel is like a four-inch wheel. And it's it's just everything about it's great. So go to broadbackironworks.com and put in the promo code knife talk, get yourself one of them. They also sell if you're a leather worker and you're tired of that that awful thumb push, get yourself one of them leather sewing machines. They sell that. And they now have for sale for pre-order their new grind, their new um sharpening system it's this beautiful vfd does a, a smaller belt and they're just you see i saw videos of kyle royal kyle royer using it and all these guys using it at blade show it got a lot of great feedback so get yourself that and i've been told because i say it too many times they don't do at, they don't do breaks anymore on on all the different holidays it's just for black friday and there's a they have a sale on on um on Blade for Blade Show. I, I, I got chastised and Ben Seacrest gave, gave it to me. He said, stop saying there's deals all the time. There aren't deals all the time anymore. <laughs> We're selling too much product, guys. So keep going up by that broadbackironworks.com. There we go. There we go. Tell me about insurance. What's going on? Okay. So this is from David Penn. Here's a long dilemma for you. I have a way to save money by switching insurance providers, but the new insurance company needs my blacksmithing business to be off the property. I have the opportunity to rent a workshop, which would be a better setup than bringing my backyard open to the elements. If I move my forge to the workshop and go for the cheaper insurance, it would be great until my landlord decides to remove me from the workshop because he wants to use it. If I get removed from the workshop and then I can't bring my forge back to the property to be used, so I'd be stuck without a workplace. On the flip side... If I don't switch insurance providers, I can keep working on my property if I were to be removed from the workshop, but won't be saving any money. What do I do? Do I keep the pricey insurance so I'll have the fallback in case I get removed from my workshop? Or do I save money and hope that I can find a new workshop if I get removed from this one? Help! So David pins in a, in a crossroads with his insurance. Kudos to you, David, for like worrying about your insurance. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't yeah, have we, my shop seen, without insurance. You've seen enough and heard enough bad stories about people be, getting everything destroyed. Yeah. But it's not even that. I mean, it's. I mean, I I had to when I came to the shop. Even though the owner is a friend of mine, they said we need to have you. You need to have liability insurance. You know, so we had to work it out, and that's actually for blacksmithing and knife making and all that stuff. These insurance companies are horrified they're terrified i tried to say to tony yeah. i said don't say bushcraft don't say knife yeah. figure out a way to not say any of it maybe, maybe metal manufacturing yeah. whatever because these motherfuckers the insurance company are dumber than anybody and they want any reason not to give you insurance yeah so kudos yeah. to you david for even thinking about it what do you think um, well, you know, we don't know, you know, how much extra they're going to charge and we don't know how perilous his relationship is with his landlord, but, um, that's my favorite. That's another favorite, uh, Craigism. Another noise. <sighs> the answer is we haven't got a fucking clue. How would we know? Well, I mean, you can give a, I mean, it's a scenario. So think about it's your situation. Yeah. Um, there, there are advantages and disadvantages to, to working from home as well. Um, so maybe, you know, consider that as well. Um, so, you know, it's not just the cost of the, the insurance. There's also the, the other advantages and disadvantages. So think of them. Um, 
just I mean just have a word with your with your landlord and say you know this is the situation you know do, do, how long do you think I'll be able to stay here and you know is there any way we could maybe have this in writing could we you know have some sort of formal agreement maybe um yeah I think that's all, that's all it's hard sort of a, I had yeah. I lost my my one of my favorite shops was the I was when I was working for this restaurant I before I started working for Charlie Palmer I had a shop in Greenpoint and I'd make I'd make that was my like I'd make sculpture there and then I'd also that was my like my uh, waste my uh, home ground for when I would go work for other artists as a welder so I had like that was like my storage space it was it was everything and then mm-hmm. I worked for Charlie and Charlie wanted me to make stuff for his restaurant so we would pay the rent he paid the rent well he paid me and I paid the rent to keep the shop because if you needed something made, I could just go into the shop. So I wasn't at the shop very much. And then, but it was perfect. I was paying the rent. I had a job. I was going and making sculpture at night or whatever. And then when I left the restaurant business, my landlord was like, so he was so, he was so used to me not being there and having the whole place to himself that he didn't really like that. I was, he didn't really, he didn't like that. I came back full time. And I got evicted and it mm. was a really ugly situation, ugly, ugly situation. And it was like, we, our friendship was destroyed, you know, because I was just like, yeah. I know that you're not. And he gave me this bullshit story, like on oh, my health and I can't have grinding here. And I was just like, this is, some, you knew I was coming back. You know, I made all these, I'd given him all these, I'd given him all these, uh, I told him I was coming back. And then yeah. after he was back for a week and kind of, you know, jumpstart the business, he threw me out. That's a. Mm. It's, I mean, it's got to be difficult. But I, I assume you're in, you know, in sort of, sort of town or city where, you know, the, the places are quite precious to find. Um, but yeah, I, it's, it's got to be difficult that trying to find the place because you know it's going to be noisy. And like you said, you know, just telling people what you do, their mind just, go, you know, as the insurance companies do, their mind just goes crazy thinking you're setting fire to everything, and it, you know, it's, it's completely dangerous. It, this is so, the yeah, hardest it's, thing it's that people finding shop space is one of the hardest things to do. Like that's not just you know your garage, your basement. Like that's why mm. you know, guys like Derek from Malden, he's got his own house, he's in the basement, he's crammed everything in there, and you know, Jimmy's got this giant barn he can do whatever the hell he wants they're in positions to be able to do that but if you want to be like you know someone who's doing a real business it's part of the hardest part about kind of getting that next level is the fact that you do have to you know landlords don't just don't let you sign the lease they have to there are stipulations yeah yeah part of me feels like maybe you should just shop around a little bit more because like craig said if it's all, if it's a tenuous situation, maybe you're better off trying to like have a better game plan. Mm. Uh, me, I say throw money at a problem and goes away. <laughs> That's the easy thing, but it's like easier said than done. I also know that I would be like, I'm deducting that shit when 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 yeah. it comes to when it comes to taxes. I'm you know I'm gonna I'm we're gonna deduct some shit and we're gonna make it you know part of whatever our de- yeah. tax deduction. But, I mean. Stand in your shop and have a look around and think, do I want to be moving all this stuff on a regular basis? No. You know, it's nobody wants Ugh. to because it's the worst. So, yeah, you've got to work out what, you know, what the value of that to you as well. Um, this you is- know, and if you need to pay the landlord maybe a bit more, you know, to, to force his hand to give you some sort of contract or, you know, to extend your stay there, maybe that's the way to go. I think Craig is a hundred percent. That's that. That's the answer. The answer is, is you got to get like a assurance from the landlord. 
that that's yeah. it. I mean, that's this is the this is the whole this is the whole crux of the situation. If you're worried that he's gonna like give you the old flip flop, I mean, that's what happened to me. I didn't have a I didn't have a contract with my guy. My guy was like my friend, and I worked for him for years. And he just there was no there was no lease. You know, and if is there, this the guy where you just started locking up the dartboard? Is that what pissed him off? That was the same spot, different guy. That was not okay. It was a different guy. <laughs> John no, John Ariani knows this guy very well. So, but it's a it's um it was a very tough situation. But it was like I'm sure he didn't want to do it either. But at the same time, it was like you know, free money is nice. You know, but hmm. then you know, I, I they the having a lease. That's the best part about having like a contract with your landlord where you have a lease agreement that all of a sudden you're protected from the idea. Cause then you can actually d- decide like, all right, the lease is going to be up and maybe we can get an idea if he wants me to stay here. And if he doesn't want me to stay here, maybe I can get a different insurance policy. This kind of protects you from these things yeah. that getting saddled with an insurance policy that you just, all of a sudden you don't need. It's a drag. Yeah. It sucks being an adult, you know? <laughs> yeah. Adulting. Yeah. yeah I mean, I want to be a Disneyland you know, given the, giving you the don't finger to leave me, you don't give the finger to Mickey, you know, <laughs> Hey, Mickey Mouse. I would tell uh, you the story. I, I was, I was dying to do that when Mickey appears on the balcony and he's going, Hey Mickey, Hey Mickey. I was just like, go fuck yourself. Mickey. <laughs> <laughs> when I was a kid, my sister, my sister used to scare the living shit out of me. She would go into a dark basement with a Mickey Mouse mask and oh, they would send me down to see her and she goes hi Jeffrey, it's mickey mouse you do that fucking mickey mouse voice and i would be like in terror i was like a oh, legitimate geez. terror she had that little plastic masks on and she's like hey it's me mickey and i was like <laughs> fuck you mickey i hate you <laughs> poor god shall mickey we mouse. shall we call it a day why not Okay, thank you all for listening. Um, we apologize for being a day late. We 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 won't let it happen again. Well, we I might. Promise. But yeah, probably will. <laughs> Come on. Um, have a lovely Tuesday. We should speak to you all again very soon. Okay. <laughs> I never. You know, we tried to do that last week when you were there. I just started <laughs> yeah. tapping on the yeah. microphone, and then I had another announcement to make, and I re-tap back in, and then I tapped out again. <laughs> that was fun. It was fun. Uh, so, what's what's going on this week? What have you got planning? Um, I tell you what, I watched that I don't think you would like, but I was talking to Jeremy Spake about it. Is the show The Boys on? Uh, it's about like these deranged superheroes it's the yeah my brother was telling oh, me about Christ, it he loves it fucking but, good yeah. it's fucking really good and you don't even need the superhero part about it it's just awesome uh yeah. what else yeah i haven't this, seen any yet this week yeah. this week uh I, you know i've been driving with my kid more and she's we're getting ready for that test oh and nice nice she's got she's she she's she's um she's gotten ready for the uh she signed up for her uh the test and we drove yesterday for a long time in traffic and everything like that. And she was so cool. And I was just like, this is so much fun. It was so much, it was so cool. She was relaxed and she wasn't stopping short and she had just good, she just had really oh, cool. good, you know, just that stuff that you don't have to say, you know, that intuition. Yeah. And she, so that was, that was. But that's what it is. Just being relaxed and confident, isn't it? You know, I mean, it's like everything I else. I remember taking my test, just being so nervous. Just, oh, geez, well, all man. of her friends failed like a couple times. Mm. So she's like, feels the pressure of just like, well, what's going to happen? Like, like if you fail, you fail. Do it again. Yeah. You know, it's like, can't be perfect. She's done like, have you got, well, have you got to do a written test over there as well? I think that, yes, I think she, I think that they already did that. I think that right, part, okay, of the, yeah. part of the permit is the written test. Ah, okay. So yeah. she, we're gonna get her in. I can't wait for her to drive. She, she's starting to enjoy it. She, I told you a couple months ago, she had some friends who got into some accidents that just scared the shit out of her. 
Yes. Yeah, um, yeah. What else? What else? I'm, I'm psyched to go out to, to uh, see Tomer. Mm. Um, we're looking forward to that. Um, it's, you know, I'm trying to get stuff ready for him, have stuff. And it's going to be whirlwind. It's going to be me flying in, trying to fight jet lag, teach two days, and then the next day fly out. Mm. So what what's the plan for the workshop? Is it the same people for the two days, or is it two workshops of a day each? We have some listeners to this podcast who are going to be there. And well, last time what we did was we had we ground some. We did the classic. We gave the options of people to make the classic Florentine kitchen knife stack to handle or a full tang handle. Mm. So this time we had the idea. I was like, you know, what would be fun is why don't we just do a mashup? So it's going to be, he took the CAD file from my 8-inch K-tip and then put a stacked handle on it. So we'll be able to make a, this will be a very limited, I don't think we're even going to do extras. And so the students are going to do this kind of hybrid. And Mark Peacock's nice. going to be there and a few other guys, like a few other knife makers listening to the podcast are going to be there. And we're going to eat this new shop is so beautiful. And he's got this outdoor cooking mm-hmm. space. And I'm just sending a message saying, well, what are we going to make? We got we to gotta make something. <laughs> we got we to yeah. cook, cook all this food and... So it's going to be grinding and hand sanding and talking about heat treatment and um, it'll be fun. A lot of the people are not knife makers. So there are people who are craftsmen who just want to, you know, weekend work to make, make knives. And then, yeah, yeah. you know, it was a lot of fun the last time we had the, actually the most fun was we did made knives with this restaurant. He's got this friend. He's this chef who's probably one of my favorite chefs in the world. His name is Borgia, Chef Borgia. He's this awesome bald dude with his mustache covered tattoos he's this dynamite he does catalonian food and we're gonna he's gonna take music borgia so borgia had all his guys come in and we were teaching him how to make knives and some of them didn't speak a lick of english and Jeez. i had to deal with with one of them and i, I and and uh so i said i don't speak any spanish at all and i was like you know what this is gonna be great we're gonna make this happen and i taught this guy how to make grind knives and we worked together and we didn't speak the same language it was so much fun to try to figure out how to like communicate mm, yeah. and that was kind of like i really enjoyed that very much oh, i bet that was yeah fun. How, how's thomas spanish is he fluent? oh yeah yeah he's he's fluent his wife's fluent Tom's yeah, a smart cool. guy, man. Tom's a smart mm-hmm. guy. He's uh, I'm I can't wait to see him, and and um, you know, I'm glad that the United States is not making people quarantine before they get on a plane to come home. So, yes, yeah, yeah. Well, let's let's hope your bags uh, get here because all I'm hearing at the moment is stories of people's bloody bags going missing and all sorts. Really? Yes. Yeah. Who are you who are you flying with? Do you know? I forgot. I think it's Virgin. Right, okay. I think it's British Airways. They've got the big issues at the moment. But, oh, uh, shit. It might be British Airways. Well, I mean, it's nonstop, so I'm, oh, I mean, how much how, how, how problematic can it be? Yeah, yeah. You know? You're right. You're right. So what, what's going on <laughs> with you this week? Don't stress you out anymore. <laughs> yeah, I don't give a fuck. I keep it. I, I don't care anymore. I'm not putting anything that important in any, anyway. <laughs> so how? So what are you up to this week? We've got um, Bastille Day coming up, which oh, is yeah. um, the big the 25th, French right? sort of... Fourteenth, uh, fourteenth. So it's this Thursday, yeah. So it's it's the big French sort of national holiday, um, and it's a massive deal over here. So everybody eats out in the street together, and they got this thing. And um, we've got a gig actually as well in the in the sort of town, the nearest town here in the big town square. Um, so that'll be cool. Um, but it's going to be hot again. The the temperatures rising again. So I'm just looking now at. At 7 p.m. on Thursday night, it's going to be 37 degrees, which is 98.6 Fahrenheit. Oh, for fuck's sake, at dude! 7 p.m. Uh, so it's going to be it's going to be another hot one. But um, yeah, looking forward to it. There was a restaurant. It's been a while since. 
What was that? I was going to say about Bastille. They had a Bastille Day story. Um, Tony, oh, uh, Anthony yeah. Bourdain's old restaurant, Leal. There was two of them mm-hmm. in the city. One on 20, 22nd Street and one downtown on John Street. And on the one on John Street for Bastille Day, they closed down John Street and they would have Bastille Day events. And everyone, you know, mm-hmm. women are dressing with a dress with their tits hanging out. And they had these <laughs> waiter races. They, everyone was dressed in French. They had whatever fake looking French they had. A, well, yeah, you know, berets little, and baguettes. Yeah, yeah stupid berets and a dopey thing uh, hanging around their necks and stuff. And broken noses and whatever, whatever parts of them being French are. And they had waiter, waiter races. That was the most fun. So they'd have these running races and the waiters would have to have a tray with food on it and they'd have to run down the street with the with the trays of food it was oh. the most fun thing to watch of all time you see these fucking <laughs> waiters imagine, yeah. running yeah. down the street with a tray full of food i love that <laughs> nice nice yeah so it's always a bit big big event here and they I've never seen fireworks like it here for um, Bastille days. So yeah, we're, we're the last, we're sort of headlining. So we're the last band playing. So we'll have the big fireworks at the end and stuff. So it's, it's going to be cool. Are you going to do any ACDC or something like that? How are you going to break in the fireworks? You know? you know what? ACDC is easy to play, difficult to sing, like surprisingly difficult. Um, yeah. We've tried a few ACDC songs and in, rehearsals and yeah if 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 they, if they were uh instrumentals they sound great but as soon as you tr- tried to sing them it's just like, oh fuck it sounds terrible so yeah no no acdc unfortunately right, right, right. anything mm. else i the- tell you what i did go ahead tell you what i did do this week i set up a record company <laughs> what what so, the fuck uh, I, dude i know I, it, it's not you know, it's not um, a difficult thing to do. It's quite easy. But um, you say that about every the, little thing. You, you know, you say that every time you come up with some new business, <laughs> it's not that hard to do. You just do it. No problem. All right, you set up a record yeah, company. What's it. it called? Um, it, it hasn't even got a name. It's just it's literally called Craig Lockwood. So uh, as you know, I said I'm going to the studio to record these few songs. Yeah. And it's like, well, I'm going to uh, sort of release them in some way. It's like, how am I going to release them? So, you know, so they can be chart registered. You need to be um, signed to a record label. Um, so, yeah, so I just literally, it's all done online. You just set it up. Um, but what that does mean now is it'll be, when I do release this, which is going to be, I think, um, mid-November um, is when I'll release the, the single. Um, it's going to be chart registered. So... As a kid, the charts used to be, you know, when people bought, went out and bought a record, that's the charts that you'd hear on a Sunday night. You know, I'd be there, you know, with a little tape recorder, taping the charts right. off the radio and so on. It was always a big, yeah. huge event, huge event. Um, but now charts are done um, in the US as well, internationally everywhere. That they, they take into account streaming. So the actual physical um, record sales are minuscule. They're like less than 5% of, of what gets you in the charts. Uh, but here in the UK, well... I say here. I still say here in the UK. I'm not in the yeah. UK, but in the UK, um, they still do the physical chart, um, which is when people buy records, um, and you can literally get in the top ten with like 200 sales, which is crazy because everybody else is in the normal chart, you know, with streaming and everything else. So yeah, so I've been looking, and you know, the, the right time of the year to release and things like that. And I'm thinking I could get like a, like a top ten single, <laughs> you know, with not that many. Um, you know, physical sales. Um, so that's going to be my goal to get in the top ten. Now, so. I never want to take care. I never want to take advantage of the knife talk listeners. 
but now I do. <laughs> now I do. Number one. Number well, I have a dis- listen to the- I have a distributor that will distribute to the to the US, and they will all count as UK sales. Listen, so I'm just saying. This I'm is just say- putting this, this out there. This is now our duty. <laughs> to get your ass on the charts. However, I do have one stipulation. You have to have a better name for the record company than Craig Lockwood. It can't be your n- name. It has to be something good. It has to be in the pod. We could do a podcast inside joke, like a bit of finger record company, or we could do <laughs> a little bit of finger. <laughs> like, a little, we could have it like a tricky dick wrist or something like that. Or yeah. dick r- jamming cocker records. We've got to come up with something. And, We've. It is now the duty of the knife talk community to get your ass up on the charts. <laughs> you have to have a good name for the record well, company, though. You know, I'd be I'd be looking at all these like uh, like hacks almost to get it because you can look at you know the big record companies. They have a release schedule, so you can see when people are releasing certain records. So you can pick you can pick a certain week where you know there's no nothing to go against. You know. Um, and then, you know, you can do things like you can do pre-sales two weeks before. So you can actually sell for three weeks before you get that one big hit for your for your chart week. Because, I mean, charts, they used to be. You could go in at number 50 and slowly work your way down. But now that that doesn't happen. You you go into your chart at your best position and then you generally so fall away. how know? hard is it to make a physical – I mean, would you make a CD? It's going to be a CD. Yeah, even though I don't even have Who, a CD player. Who's got a fucking CD player? Exactly. I know. I know. But what I'm going to do is it's going to be a CD, but there's going to be a, a QR code on the back, which will take you to a digital download. So the way I'm going to do it, I'm going to focus it all on this release, this physical release. And then three weeks later, it'll then go on to Spotify and all the rest, because none of that will, you know, I've got none of that will make any difference to me streaming because there's no way I could compete with, you know, even the top thousand songs of that week. I have your name. But when it comes to, when it comes to the physical release, you know, there's, there is a chance. So yeah, so I'm going to put out a CD, um, but there will be a, a, a download for the, for the, uh, digital file the, if you like you know the mp3 the perfect um but yeah but then three weeks later it'll then appear on you know spotify apple music and all the rest of it it sounds like um, a lot of how do you, you have a company that can make the physical cds yes oh yes yeah I've, I've done that in the past as well with other stuff as well so yeah it's it's uh yeah it's it's, it's all yeah easily doable you know i have the name um, of the record company by the way it's yeah, actually pretty yeah you're probably right but um you know what you should call it you know what you should do <laughs> yeah, you know what you should plunge do. line records plunge line records that's a fucking nice. good name dude plunge yeah. line records and nobody will know what it means except for knife makers and for non-knife makers it sounds good ricasso records ricasso Re- plunge lines better plunge line plunge records line presents craig lockwood <laughs> come climb in the charts but when was the last time you heard like a record label being you know talked about you, you don't know it's all about the artist isn't it you know you, you don't hear you know acdc signed to parlophone yeah, or whatever you, it was but you, you, you don't hear, hear people, that anymore. you know like sub pop records and you know island yeah, again, records that, again, and royal crown and you don't, it's just something cool you don't hear it now yeah something cool yeah. something so i don't think it's you <laughs> it's just me and my back bedroom. Yeah, fucking <laughs> Craig's, Craig's in his underwear eating Wings records. You can't do that. <laughs> yeah, you know? I like it. Uh, Think about yeah. it. But anyway, yeah. So that's that, so that's, um, that's all. But that won't be till November. So, so what? we're recording, recording in October. Um, and I've had some like 
I th- I'm not sure how much I told you about it. So I'm going to a studio, which is a really sort of famous yeah. studio where amazing stuff has been right. done. But um, the producer produced the Oasis records, which I was a huge fan of. Um, so I'm working with him. But um, he's got the actual guitar that Wonderwall was um, recorded right. on. Um, and most of the songs for that album were, were like demoed on as well and written on. Um, so I'm using that. I'm using the, the piano that Freddie Mercury used for Bohemian Rhapsody. Um, there's all this, like, this, like so much history there. It's, it's, it's really cool. So, but, um, there's two songs I'm recording and one of them I'm going to be using a, a male voice choir as well. So I'm not sure if you know what they'd be. It's, uh, like traditional Welsh music. Um, they generally have, there's a bunch of old dudes <laughs> in suits. Um, it's a choir. It's, it's what the miners used to do. They used to get, get together and form these choirs and it's like really sort of rousing. It's, um, really emotional kind of stuff. So one of the songs is going to require that. So we're getting a full choir in as well to do that Jeez as well. Which is awesome, this is so. a, this is a monumental production. Yeah, it is. It's, it's something I dreamt about since I was, you know, preteen, you know? So I'm, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it big, you know? So yeah. That's the, Maybe you could that's roll a CD into knife sales and then that would help the charts too. <laughs> yeah. I could sell a few more knives and I could sell a few more. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you joke about that, but I have sort of considered, not, you know, what I I'm could sort of... I'm not joking about anything. Yeah, but you can't. I've, I've been looking at the rules of what you can do oh. to, to be chart registered. Um, they're very specific about what you can include on um, well, with a CD. We can know. move. we can move 200 records. I'd like, we to, have I'd no like choice. to think so. That would, yeah. We have, no, we have yeah. no choice. We have, we have <laughs> got to move. We've got to get Craig. We have to use... The knife the making 10. community. We don't. Ha- I'm going to talk to the listeners right now. I don't ask for much. We don't ask for much. We give you great content every week for like almost five years, guys. And I know some people it complain. Is, yeah. not, not, not enough knife talk. Too much you could talk. But listen, guys, it's not easy doing a podcast, a weekly podcast for five years. We're <laughs> we're we're people are coming and going. People are coming and going in this podcast game, and we're still here, goddammit. If it's a day late, that's the way it is. <laughs> we don't ask for much. We give you deals. We give you fun. We keep you company. We give you, uh, once again, discounts on products. This is what you have to do for us. You got to, when, when we say, <laughs> when we say, go get that new record from Plunge Line Records, Craig Lockwood's solo <laughs> debut, I'm going to snap my fingers, I'm going to snap them. <laughs> I want to, and there is going to be one precise week as well because um, I know you know it's all going to be just on sales. Now that week. we no have to, to kind chart. of start to massage people into the idea that they have to. <laughs> we're going to be we're focused. Listen, I'm in the tank for you, Craig Lockwood. I'll do whatever it takes to make your bucket list happen. There we go. Okay. Right? Okay. But yeah, I mean, it's going to be it's going to be three ninety nine. You know, three dollars ninety nine cents. You, Exactly, oh, and you can dude. help a boy's a little boy's dream come true. Little boy's dream come true. Three ninety nine. <laughs> how the fuck do you sell a fucking? How do you? How much the records cost you to make? Are you yeah, not going to make any money on this? Right? Near enough that there's no money to be made in in selling them. But, Jesus um, Christ, three ninety nine, yeah. guys. I'm giving you the Manchurian candidate right now. You're listening to me right now. <laughs> you, when the time comes, Plans I snap records. my fingers like this. You're gonna buy that album from Craig Lockwood. We're gonna get him on the charts. Okay, okay. There we go. There, go. there we go. Ah, and what else am I doing this week? Um, nothing much. We've got we've got builders in doing a patio, which was meant to be finished Jeez. by the time we got back, and it hasn't been. So it's going to be uh, 
cracking heads some unfortunately tomorrow Jeez, what a life but, you uh, lead i'll tell you what Oh, life you lose. Get, get my wife to crack their heads, you know. You know yeah. what works. Barf on it, barf in their car or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But um no, there's there's no big plans for this week. Um so it's a national holiday Thursday, which means Friday will also be the national holiday and no in France Monday will have a slow start to it. So When is the yeah. uh when is the 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 release is that another par- party when they have the release of the Beaujolais Nouveau? Um, that's another I'm one, not right? Not sure when that is. Yeah, it's another one. Yeah, it's not a national holiday, but it's everybody gets involved. Um, I think it, it's gone. I think it's sort of springtime because it's, yeah, it's an early. I got plowed yeah, at one of those early, things. In, early Tony, season, Tony yeah. and I used to go to this restaurant, this French restaurant, up all night. It was they were open all night long, and we mm-hmm. finished service. We went in there one night. We were just going to get some steak tartare and french fries and it was the it was a everyone was blast everybody the waiters yeah. were drunk the, everyone was drunk and they're like the beaujolais nouveau is out and i'm like all right let's sit down yeah. and have some we drank like two three bottles of wine we were i don't even know how we got home to be honest with you but it was like <laughs> i love this holiday i love the french yeah, it's it- but even in the UK, it's known as a thing now where, you know, sort of middle-aged women would all go out. They'd all get sort of dressed yeah. up and they'll go out to Bojan and they all get completely blasted. wasted, you know. It's, blasted. Yeah. No choice. Yeah. Pretending to be sophisticated, yeah. but they're all crawling yeah. home. Yeah. You're releasing <laughs> yeah. your Bojan Lady Vol. We got to go out, okay? We're going to drink a lot. Yeah. All right, fine. Things are going to happen. It's not going to be good. The way it is. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure that's sort of early spring, I think it was. Yeah. Well, the Bastille Day was the storming of the Bastilles, right? That's what they escaped. It was in seventeen hundred something. Seventeen, yeah, seventeen. I salute you. I salute the French. Salute them. Salute them. I mean, fine. They're all right. Well, (laughs) but God help me, it's going to be bloody hot. That's all I'm saying. Mm. But. uh, It'll be fun. It's the first gig we've done in a while. Um, and we haven't got many lined up now for the rest of the summer. So we're looking forward and to COVID's it. COVID's over for you good. guys for now. So hopefully yeah. hopefully the rest of your bandmates are okay too. Yeah. What What's the news on the ground there then with with your wife? Is it, is it <sighs> I mean, making we, a big, we, difficult we third go? album? I mean, it's, I mean uh, <laughs> people don't want to hear about it, but you know, we got problems. Yeah. Pro- as my father would say, trouble in River City. It's <laughs> it's yeah. uh, not good. It's not good. Oh, there's a, there are other things that uh, you know I ain't gonna go into it, but people don't want to hear. But <laughs> we're getting ready for that. The next one coming through. Uh, well, so we can do. We're happy here. We're happy to cheer you up every Monday. Well, listen, <laughs> guys. It'd be like you. I, people send me messages saying I don't want to hear about it anymore. It's like, well, Craig asked me a question, I answer it. So that's it. Yeah. You're my you're my guy on the inside. You've got inside knowledge. I, w- I I feel as though I feel like, unfortunately, I feel like, uh, and this is a tour. Back in the day when uh, Nixon was being before he was impeached, there was these two uh, reporters. Uh, God damn! The movie was uh, a few good, uh, a few good men. Is uh, all the president's men? It was famous. Mm. These two famous reporters from the Washington Post who found this inside guy who they codenamed Deep Throat, who would say all the things that, that, that the, the president was doing, you know, nefarious. I feel yeah. like that because I hear some shit. I hear some shit that I'm just like, Ugh. Oh, Ugh. Geez, so, yeah. not great. <sighs> Stay safe, everyone. I'm with you. <laughs> Thanks for listening. We shall speak to you again uh, bright and early next Monday. Bye for now. This show is brought to you by The Makery, the podcast network for makers.
When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.